0: Hi everyone. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to take a moment to acknowledge the sensitive nature of the topics we'll be discussing. Today we'll be exploring subjects related to cremation, embalming, and suicide. We understand that these topics can be difficult for some listeners, and we want to assure you that we approach these discussions with care, respect, and a commitment to providing accurate and helpful information. Here we go. Do it. <laughs> okay, cool. Here we go. Welcome to the first podcast of Coffin Talkin'. I'm your host, Holly. I'm here with my dad, Frank. And Frank has a very unique set of skills that we'll hear about a bit later that make him a very interesting man to talk to. So we thought, why not record it? This podcast covers everything strange and weird, funny and unexplainable, and ultimately all things death from a mortician himself. So let's jump in. Um, Dad, Frank, if you could explain just your career, how you got where you're at. That'd be great.
1: Thank you. So as mentioned earlier, my name is Frank. I have been in the industry since 1985. I work specifically, I was actually one of the youngest funeral directors in the nation at the time when I became a funeral director. The um, most important thing for me to, I've worked in California, Utah, and and Arizona and have been licensed in each state. And uh, over the course of the years, I've, I've been able to experience, log, um, record different experiences that I personally have, have been a part to. And something that would be interesting for a lot of people is just basically seeing what a funeral director or a mortician would see behind the scenes. And after speaking with families and their loved ones after they've experienced a death, and then the course of action that can occur Prior to the burial the cremation or whatever form of disposition they are actually looking to have uh, for their loved one so in the course of the 40 has it been 40 years roughly 40 years roughly uh, that have been in the industry i hope that you'll understand a little bit better the uh, the importance of the mortician uh, what they can do to actually help you and uh, i think at this point i'll define if possible um just so you understand what an undertaker is that's the name that was given to an individual that was helping um in the olden times the t- the title was undertaker and that specifically meant that someone outside the family would come to them and say let me help you undertake the items that you're actually going to be experiencing and so with that in mind it has the name has evolved over time allowing it go, to go from uh, undertaker digger mortician. Um, but it has evolved, but it did essentially start as an undertaker. So essentially someone that would help uh, someone in need once a death has occurred to allow them the opportunity for uh, to celebrate the life of their loved one in the manner in which they choose.
0: Yeah, that's great. I, I <laughs> always kind of, I mean, I don't, don't be offended. But <laughs> um, okay. I feel like Undertaker is usually kind of a negative connotation or kind yep. of like a weird connotation. But it's yeah. cool that it originally was started to, I'm going to help you undertake this because this is a huge change mm-hmm. in your life and obviously in that individual's life.
1: You know, witnessing that same ner- uh, uh, theme and wording, uh, we always like to back it up with, hey, we'll be the last to let you down. So.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Yeah. We're going to be transparent here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We will be the last to let you down. There you go. That's great. That's great. So specifically in Arizona, you've been more on the cremation side and then now you're focusing more on the funeral service side, right? Mm,
1: That's correct. So. Okay, good.
0: I'd be embarrassed if I got that wrong. (laughs) So I've worked in
1: both, both areas. We owned our own crematory for about uh, 11 years. And so a lot of experiences there, but, um, Before the funeral, before the crematory side, we did work in a number of different funeral homes in Arizona. So, um, yeah, I probably worked in four or five different funeral homes, the crematory, and now the one that we presently um, are operating.
0: Okay, cool. So, what brought you, if you worked in the funeral service industry, what specifically made you shift to buying your own crematory and then just focusing on cremation for (laughs) a a decade?
1: OK, thanks. So uh, bouncing back and forth with regards to uh, funeral and cremation, I could see the writing on the wall years ago, I could see the writing on the wall. that uh, The majority of disposition, final disposition of a loved one would probably be cremation only because of cost and um, people in their green sense of. Uh, I guess, diligence, if they want to call it that, I, I think it's false allegiance but be, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> way, they, want, they want to be green and so they just think right and cremate and then that saves space and somehow cemetery, that's better. yeah cemeteries the spaces are saved and not enough people are and people are no longer being buried so it's one of those um options that people have right. and i can see that because of cost if you were burying someone you'd be looking at seven to eight maybe seven to ten thousand dollars this was in 87 or cremate for less than a thousand so a lot of people would bounce to that figure that's a huge
0: difference yeah a lot of
1: people would like to go to cremation just for the simple reason of the economic side right so i got into it when my father passed away when i was nine and uh his death i guess left an impression on me that um i i still reflect upon a lot and so um whenever i think of him and uh, what took place at his funeral then i have always wondered well where are my allegiances at where what is it that i want to be doing now and where should i be ending up so essentially through that course of action that's essentially where i got to to where i am today
0: okay was there anything specific i realize you were very young when your dad died but was there Mm -hmm. anything specific of like well, I remember the funeral director. I remember the funeral was conducted in this way that maybe you wanted to change an aspect of that. Or is it more of this was a really good experience from our family. So I'd like to give that opportunity to other people.
1: So mine was a little bit different. I, uh, for the longest time, I wanted to be a forensic pathologist. And so I always was intrigued by death. Not only the death, but the manner of death, how people pass right. away, what would cause them to get into the circumstance that would cause their death. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the things that would be interest most interesting to me. So in my father's viewing, I remembered tons of people. He was a government official in the state of in the state of Utah. And so there were lots of people there. And I just remembered, you know, kind of as a young man, kind of creeping up and looking over the edge of the casket and then seeing my father's mouth open just a little bit. And there was that little shiny thing in his mouth. Mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, what is that? What did, yeah, what is that?
0: What is dad and, eating?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want some, dad. <laughs> and so uh, also the eye was just a, a, just a little bit of a, a jar, but I couldn't see his, his the iris of his eye. And so I thought that that was interesting. and so. As the funeral progressed, um, I remembered sitting there with my brother and thinking to myself, and even talking with him, and said, Do we even know Dad? Because of all the stories that were being told right. about this man right. that was my father.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But he I was now hearing the perspective of other individuals that worked with him and yeah. saw him in a in a workplace environment, not a home based environment.
0: Yeah, much different.
1: So, Yeah. And so as I was starting to listen to what he was doing and what people remembered of him, I just thought, you know, this is very therapeutic, not only for those that might be listening, but also for family members that don't maybe know their family member as well as they would like to. Getting a different perspective is always good. And so, anyway, when the time came, I just, after the services and stuff, I said, I wonder what was going on in the back rooms. Of, of a mortuary, and what was actually transpiring? What what brought my dad from the point of his passing away at a hospital operating table to the viewing? What exactly yeah. transpired? What was happening? So right. I think it. I think with that. I think it was that thought that pushed me into the uh, funeral side. Besides other, and we can get into that later. But other different circumstances that would have pushed me in that direction as well.
0: Yeah. I think that that's a really interesting point to make, too, because a lot of people, I mean, you don't think about that. You don't think about the behind the scenes until you have someone close to you pass away and you're going, who's taking them? Yep. What's going to what's happening to their body Mm -hmm. up until the time that they died to now?
1: Yeah. Are they taking care of them?
0: Are they taking care of them? Yeah.
1: They being gentle. Are they treating him like I would treat my dad? Like right, exactly. I would treat my dad if if he was to come into me and into my facility at the time, would I be treating him like recognizing him as the father of someone else? Right. And with the dignity and respect that was afforded him, which well, should be. Yeah. afforded him.
0: Right. But, so I'm sure that that's um, heavily influenced how mm-hmm. you treat the individuals that come into your care. Yeah. It's just this is someone's loved one. Someone yeah. is grieving this person.
1: Yeah. And yeah I've always I've always thought that it would it's always interesting to me how we live in a disposable society and mm-hmm. so we tend to think sometimes that well, mom's passed away, dad's passed away so let's just go ahead and do the fastest manner of disposition as possible.
0: yeah but um circling back, let's um, talk about a bit more about the cremation process because okay. this is something when I married. Kaden, my husband, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I came to find out that not everyone knows the cremation process from start to finish. And, you know, I think it's something that's very interesting and very intriguing. And it's kind of scary because no one knows really the whole process of what goes on. So if you could just explain to us what, what that process entails, start to finish, that'd be great.
1: Sure. I hope that through this podcast, some of the taboos will be lowered. Uh, some of the taboos will be broken.
0: What and certain taboos? To,
1: well, for instance, um, the secrecy that goes on in a mortuary itself. There's no one knows what goes on in the embalming process right, as a general rule. No one right. knows what happens I, to a loved one once they pass away at a hospital, how they get from the hospital to the to either the mortuary or the crematory. Yeah. And everybody seems to be kind of closed. I mum, mean, Tight-lipped. about. Yeah, tight-lipped about everything that's being done. And I've I've always been willing to be as transparent as possible so that people understand exactly. And besides, this helps them understand exactly what they're paying for. The more they they understand, then the more they value in it.
0: Right. It's an expensive industry. And when you do just look at cost alone, I mean, you're not mm going to buy anything without knowing what you're buying. That's so, exactly
1: right. No, how who should would this
0: be any different, right?
1: Yeah, who would? So anyway, you asked about the the cremation process. So let's just start mm-hmm. from. Let's say, for instance, we're going to call him Paul. Paul gets killed, and so he may he goes to two one of two places. He either dies in the hospital, or he dies at scene, uh, mm-hmm. where the accident occurred. So if he dies in the hospital, then of course the family can contact the uh, mortuary directly. And have a mortuary member come over to the uh, hospital and bring him into their care so that the uh, arrangements can go ahead and be made for him to be cremated or buried, whichever sure. ones we're talking about cremation. So we're just going to say Paul's going to be cremated. Mm-hmm. That's one option. The second option is if he dies on scene, then the medical examiner becomes involved. The medical examiner then has the obligation uh, through taxpayer funding to discover the cause of death from that from Paul. What caused his death? And you say, "Oh, it's pretty obvious, right?" I mean, he died in Mm -hmm. an auto accident. So, yeah, so he he was impaled. (laughs) So, but they they want to see if he was on something. They want to see if he was on drugs, and if he wasn't on drugs, they want to know if the person that hit him was on drugs. Hmm. So, and it's all based in insurance. Insurance is the main driver of the cause of death because if you have an insurance policy and a person dies under circumstances that are questionable those insurance policies sometimes will pay full amount partial amount or no amount depending upon the cause of death and so that's what the medical examiner is there to do to help the insurance companies decipher uh the cause of death and mode of death so let's follow paul still he died in a hospital the family has decided on which mortuary they're going to call so they call the mortuary the mortuary then dispatches someone to go to the hospital and bring paul into their care paul is brought to the mortuary and then placed under refrigeration now the refrigeration uh, should be and will probably be kept between uh, 35 and 40 degrees and that's where it should be Uh, some funeral homes will keep it at 32 right at freezing i think that's a little extreme only if you have to embalm later It becomes you have to let the individual Uh, the individual is placed in refrigeration. There's a series of paper amount of paperwork that needs to be done before cremation can be done. And it's approved by the medical examiner for the uh, here in Arizona uh, for the cremation to occur. And that's only because they want to make sure that the cause of death listed by the doctor is a valid cause of death. So they go ahead and uh, read through that cause of death. And once that death has been um, determined, a, a good a quote unquote cause of death. Right. Then, <laughs> valid. Any, valid. Okay. Uh, valid know. cause of death. And they go ahead and will go ahead and uh, allow us to go forward with the cremation. So the individual for the dignity of Paul would be placed into an outer burial container. In this case, a cardboard casket, most likely uh, families can choose whatever they want. People can be cremated in caskets and they can be cremated in a uh, Mm, mainly wood caskets or a, a pressed wood or fiberboard casket. The ones that are most economical that most people will uh, provide are cardboard caskets. Okay, so most of the times when people are, have passed away wherever they're being retrieved by the mortuary, it's usually done in a van. Uh, very seldom are hearses used. The hearses only used in specific um, arenas where a casket is used. So the hearse is specifically designed to carry a casket. Any other transport of a deceased human being will be done by the, a van. And it's usually a cargo van, could be a caravan, could be a town and country. There's so many different vans out there that are long enough to carry a gurney, and that's what you're looking for. You just want to, the back the back side of a, a van to be large enough to be able to carry a gurney. Right. And but most transportation takes place within a van, uh, within a van, so they will be placed in a cardboard casket, then transported to the crematory. Some places have crematories on site;
0: mm-hmm.
1: most don't. Uh The crematory. When I say crematory, you think of what, Holly? What do you think of the crematory?
0: Um, I think of. The big building where the fire department was called out to <laughs> multiple
1: times. Well, that's uh, okay. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. But whatever.
0: Okay. <clears throat> no, usually, usually, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong. There's mm-hmm. a viewing room if a family wants to mm-hmm. see the cremation actually happen. Yep. And then you have the retorts, the furnaces,
1: mm-hmm. for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. Right. So the retorts you mentioned retort and that's not a legal term. It's what they are called. That's what an individual is placed into to be cremated in, and that's called a retort. We had four at the time, and um, Holly made mention to fire departments <laughs> because sometimes <laughs> crematories. They're good
0: friends with them.
1: that's right, and also with air quality.
0: Ah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So air quality is not.
0: So all good. those green Greenpeace people mm. think again.
1: Think again. <laughs> but uh yeah we became uh good friends with the with the fire department and uh they would always call before they were dispatched to our facility saying Frankie okay is it out is there fire outside the chambers nope we're good it's all controlled so they would usually dispatch or dispose of it and just write it off saying it was fine now if, sometimes if I got yeah sometimes if I got into a problem I would call them directly and I would just say, hey, look, I need you to come down here now. I've got, a, I've got a situation that I just need your help to control. And I'll just share one fast experience. Yeah. Um, we had, so that you individuals know, individuals, men cremate slower than women. And women, I don't know why it is, but once the cremation process starts, their body fat will, do, will release much quicker than a man's. And so... Um, Interesting. You, you can get then the floors of the retorts are uh, valleyed like this. Right. Just a little bit. And that's supposed to hold enough of the body fluids or fat to the allow fat it to hurts. burn off, to, to allow it to burn off before it gets to a dangerous uh, situation. But if you have an individual female that is 400 pounds, maybe 500 pounds,
0: mm-hmm. sometimes
1: that valley doesn't hold the fluid long enough for it to catch fire so right. it will it will spill and it, it begins to seep out of the machine and so once that seeps out of the machine fire surely can and probably will follow right behind it so it becomes a very scary thing for a cremation store yeah cremation operator to see and witness body fluids or body fat in this instance start to make its way across the the floor of your, of your, of your building.
0: Cause you're seeing essentially gasoline being poured on your floor.
1: That's exactly right.
0: And, and then- it's very
1: hot. It's very hot. I have second and degree burns on my legs from trying to stop a hot, a hot body f- fat or fluids. I don't, I hate to be so crass. Right. Trying to stop it in certain areas. And so all you have is a flat, a flat uh, mouth shovel. And you're just scooping it together, hoping to get some kitty litter on it in time to stop it, but uh, every once in a while it doesn't. It doesn't always work. So <clears throat> that being said, Paul is then transported back to Paul. He's now transported to the crematory in this cardboard box or cardboard container, and um, it, the box is then placed inside the retort. the yeah. The chambers are then warmed up to at least 800 degrees before the cremation begins. And that's when the flames are, are actually enabled to start the cremation process. So
0: How, um, so it starts at 800. How quickly or what temperature does it build to?
1: So it depends on the size of the individual. Uh, here in America right now, our, the average weight of an individual is increasing. So right. I would say that your average male is about 260 pounds, and your average female is right around 140. So sure. 150. And so by the time they pass away, that's the amount that you're looking at. Now, as a cremationist, you look at the individual, you weigh everybody, and we could cremate about two pounds a minute. So if I weighed 300 pounds, and it would take me an hour and or 150 minutes, roughly. And mm-hmm. so we're looking at two hours and 30 minutes for the cremation of that individual. So, um, you can set your day, uh, depending upon how many, how many, um, how much, yep. And how much, how heavy, how much weight you're going to try and cremate that day. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you always want to start with your heaviest weights in the morning when the machines are cold, because that gives them enough time to absorb the heat. And then your lighter ones, 60, 80,
0: 150, 180 pounds. Uh, yeah. They go much faster.
1: Yeah. And plus they don't smoke. They don't they won't smoke as well.
0: As right. So the heavier individuals is who's gonna smoke.
1: That's right. If it, because if that burned,
0: fat pools.
1: Correct. And, and burns So off.
0: it's just burning the fat.
1: hmm It's okay. Um, I won't liken it to a breakfast food that everyone seems to be in enthralled and in, in in bacon. Amber. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some bacon. You know how that bacon grease will start okay. to bubble and spit, and that's right. exactly what happens with the human body. So okay. um, anyway, so once the cremation is done, all you're really looking at is skeletal remains. Now, during the cremation process, um, the cremator will, will rotate that individual a couple of times so that he makes sure all the tissue is burned off. Very seldom right. will. Someone leave someone on the floor of the chamber and not move it at all. They're always being moved around. Plus, it's faster, more efficient if you move individuals around. But uh, once the cremation process is over, and oh, just going back to your temperature thing, Holly, it's the yeah. that you can start at 800. That's what EPA says you should have your machines warmed up to before you start a cremation. And then uh, it can go as high as 21, 2200 degrees. You don't want to ever get it that high because then you're creating thermal damage to your machine. But okay. the average temperature time is between 16 and 1850,
0: 1600 and 1850 degrees. Right. And
1: it and fluctuates, it does fluctuate. It will throughout the process. It will fluctuate up and down depending upon uh, how heavy the individual is. So, and then once the cremation is completed, uh, you do have about a half hour to forty-five minute cool-down time before you can actually get in there and, and pull the bone. And that's essentially what you're getting when ash. You'll say, "Oh, it's the ash. It's everything." And no, oh, it's the yeah, all the all the tissue and stuff burns off.
0: Sorry. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, and so all not- you really. All you're getting is bone that's back. So the ash is bone. So just be aware of that and kind of dispel that myth. Right. It means, yeah there, is no, yeah, there is no tissue. It's all bone.
0: And that's just, so you scrape it out,
1: basically, mm-hmm. for lack yeah. of a better
0: term. Yep. Once metal. everything's burned away and mm-hmm. then you have them in metal containers.
1: Right. They, uh, metal. There's metal brooms or brushes. That are used to pull cremated remains from the back of the chamber to the forward, and that's usually it's either a drop bucket in the back or a drop bucket in the front. Okay. And so it's a cooling tray, and so the cooling right. trays carry the, all the bone, and then they're set out and uh, they'll cool. And so once they cool, then you can go ahead and place them in a processing unit, which uh, it, which is a huge a huge um, blender.
0: Bone blender,
1: yeah, it's a bone blender, yeah, so to speak, and um, that's processed down to that fine powder that most people receive back as cremated remains. Okay. Now there yeah. are there are implants of individuals. Some people want them, others don't. But the implants, I think, are important to note because each one is identified, and sometimes families will want. The implants back just so that they can cross-check the numbers to make sure that their loved one was cremated. If you're when not- you're
0: saying implants, are you saying pacemakers? Because no. mm-hmm. in today's mind, the first thing I'm thinking of is like a silicone implant. Okay, oh. and I don't think that <laughs>
1: they melt away. Uh, <laughs> they melt. We don't away. worry. Yeah. We don't worry about removing those. No pacemakers right. have pacemakers have to be removed because they're battery operated and so they will explode prior to cremation. Prior to cremation okay so if and trust me if they explode during cremation it nothing makes a cremationist angrier because you're damaging the inside of the machine
0: which are so very expensive
1: they are expensive to even upkeep so um yeah the implants that i'm talking about are knees shoulders spines oh
0: of course yeah
1: the titanium the titanium implant.
0: titanium implants okay mm-hmm.
1: So just know those are options. You can you can keep those if you want them, but you don't always have right. to keep them, and not everyone does. Actually, I would say a half a percent of one percent would probably actually keep them. want to keep them.
0: Yeah, really. Yeah. Do any does is that something that you ask up front? Like, hey, it's, I know you have this individual has two false knees. Do you want them?
1: No. So what we do is we actually ask the individual at the time of the arrangement. Um, so, do they have a pacemaker? And that opens the conversation. Oh. Okay. So as soon as they say they have a pacemaker, say we will remove that. Do you want that back? And then if they say no, okay, fine, we'll discard it. Do you have it? Does do they have any other implants that we should be aware of? And then they say, well, yeah, she has a shoulder. She has a she mm-hmm. has a, a mesh for an aneurysm that she had, or a, a knee replaced, hip replaced. Sure. Yeah. And so we then just ask if they want any of that back. Most do not
0: okay hmm. so that's just about far start to finish
1: start finish that is correct yeah the only you have pe- a
0: lot of people that want to watch it happen
1: no we probably have one in maybe one in 250 that will okay. want to actually witness the cremation and if you're going to witness the cremation i'll just say this please have them open the box otherwise why in the world are you witnessing the cremation right you right. want to make sure that it's your loved one that's being cremated. And so yeah, once the part of it. The,
0: what they're worried about.
1: That's what I. Yeah. I mean, everyone's concerned. Now, how do I know I'm getting back my loved one? Uh, mm-hmm. So my question then is, if you're really concerned, you shouldn't cremate. Because yeah. once she's cremated. Yeah. Once she's cremated or he's cremated. Yeah. I can't yeah. go back. I can't tell. Right. Yeah. everything's Everything's been consumed by fire. So anyway. <clears throat> so. There are other there are other options of cremation as well. But uh, like the green the new green hydrolysis cremation process has just been Is that the tree one? No. No. No, hydrolysis is immersed in liquid and it's just a a gradual dissolve of tissue. It's oh. yeah, it's a lime warm lime uh, based based type of cremation where the body is actually acidic, disintegrating it's just, in it's right. disintegrating in liquid essentially what it is but i've always been concerned with it because how do you dry the bone after that i mean you still have to put it right. in the finger right at least yeah. i i don't know that much about it it's That's it's fairly new it's only been around about a year maybe two years so anyway, it, and now they have composting which new york started and they allow individuals to have their loved ones as compost
0: be compost
1: yeah so that's a long, elongated process. It's about seventy days, but wow. it can it okay. can be done. Okay, so okay. so do you want to hear uh, Should we go? To you know
0: there? what time it is?
1: Oh, what? what time? It's it time,
0: time is it? to be frank. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite time of the day.
1: <laughs> okay, I love it. So yeah. uh, yeah, so in answer, let's hear a story.
0: Let's okay. hear a weird okay something.
1: so just so you know this podcast is not only to be informational but i also want it to be a type of format where you can actually hear stories that have actually taken place and what do take place something you would never hear on the outside unless you're right. specifically in the room being a part of it or what it was that was actually taking place so hence the title of this one the witching hour the
0: witching we, hour,
1: the witching hour. And in honor of Halloween, which is one of my favorite holidays,
0: Ooh. is that we, because uh, of being a mortician, or do mm, you claim Halloween because you are a mortician?
1: You know what? Does it belong ask to you? Of course, it this, does.
0: Is oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is your holiday.
1: It's a silly question. You've lived with me for years. What, what, you
0: <laughs> what do you mean? Of course you know. <laughs> oh,
1: what? Okay, so let's start with a, a story about something that occurred, which I will never ever forget and um has left such a, a huge impression on me that i tell this story to my kids all the time and they just they like to hear the story over and over and again but so it was uh just started out like any other normal day and um i had gone to the crematory and what i would do is i would do a, a round of cremations generally four maybe eight before i started doing my runs and we did cremations for up to 10 mortuaries in the valley so i was getting ready to go and and retrieve or at least bring into my care individuals that they had ready for me to pick up for cremation. One particular mortuary asked that I come a little earlier because the situations and circumstances surrounding the individual that had passed away, they just wanted the individual out of their building. That's and as I was tra- a good sign. <laughs> I just remember thinking to myself, what is she leaking? She wanted yeah. to get out of the building just because she stinks or she's decomposing. So... Um, Anyway, I get to the um, mortuary and the manager meets me and he says, hey, Frank, that we need to get this out of here. We have others that we need to come back and pick up, but this one we want out of here immediately. So I said, okay, is it ready to go? Give me the paperwork. So he gave me the paperwork and I walked over to the box. And immediately on the box, I noticed that there was a pentagram that had been drawn onto the box. And I just, I looked at the name and I just thought to myself, what are we doing here? And I thought, is this some sort of a joke? And the manager said, did you see the pentagram? And I said, yes. And he said, you need to get, She's uh, she is a full 100% witch. She um, identifies as a witch. Her family identifies her as a witch. And he said, there's been some strange happenings in the building, we just want her out. So I said, okay, no problem. Right. So I went on ahead and I loaded her into the van. And again, like I said, she rode with me by herself because it was too early for the other mortuaries for me to go to. He said that he wanted her out as soon as possible and that I would need to be coming back for some additional individuals that would need to be cremated later that day. So as I'm driving back, and it's about a 35 to 40-minute drive from the crematory to this mortuary. And I remember driving, and you don't really think too much about it, but Holly, have you ever had an experience where you thought that someone was staring at you?
0: Yes. How did you feel? You just feel, How I do mean, you know? I'm sure anyone can relate. It's just a kind of prickle on the back of your neck, I'd say. It's just mm-hmm. a weird feeling.
1: Okay. So I just uh, entered the freeway and I could have swore I heard a noise in the back Man, So I look in my And room. it was only her there. There's, she's the only one there? I look in my rearview mirror and I look up, you know, kind of looking down to make sure that the box hasn't opened or anything like that. But it's right. still, still exactly the way it was. So I just didn't I brush it off. So I kept driving and not 30, 40 seconds later, all of a sudden I had that piercing. I had a feeling that someone was gazing at me from the backside. And I kept, I, re- I reached up and I grabbed my rearview mirror and I started looking at, I mean, moving it back and forth.
0: Yeah, it's the the back, back of the, there. Yeah,
1: exactly. Or could I see something? And mm-hmm. still nothing. Nothing was happening. But that feeling never left me. And I got to the mortuary or to the crematory. And I remembered before I left to go pick up that woman that I had cleared out one of the mortuary or one of the retorts and everything had been swept out and was probably cool by now. And I just, she weighed about 180 pounds. And I she's just, thought myself, yeah, she's ready to go. I've got the paperwork. She's going right in. I'm not going to mess with yeah. this anymore. There's no reason to have that type of a feeling in my facility. Right. I mean, I've already and they've already told me they were experiencing something at the mortuary. So you just don't want to deal with it.
0: Right.
1: So I went on ahead and I put her in the chamber closed the door waited about 30 seconds before it got to 800 degrees kicked on the burners and i watched it the burners went from 800 900 and it it kicks up pretty fast 800 900 1000 1000, 1100 1200 1300 Mm -hmm. and so it started to finally slow down at about 1300 degrees and i thought okay good she's she's at least cremating so i opened the door and i was just making sure right there's little view doors that you can look in to make sure that the cremation is progressing the way it should and it did look fine so i went on ahead and i loaded up the other three machines with cremations and i walked back over to her about 20 minutes later to um see how she was progressing she was now at the temperature of 1666 degrees and i thought okay good she's she's cremating good it should keep going up and probably get it up about 1800 degrees is uh, what i was expecting and then to have it start drop back down mm-hmm. so um so i went on ahead and got the other machine started and Got some paperwork done, walked back over to the machine. It was still at sixteen sixty six, and I tapped it because it shouldn't never should the machines always remain at a constant temperature. So I tapped the the um, temperature gauge. Yeah. yeah, the temperature gauge, and I kept thinking, well, surely that's wrong. You know, it it should be going up, and so I didn't think much about it. Opened the door again. She was still creaming um, much faster than I expected. But she was still cremating at a good clip and um, went back, checked the other machines, came back, and it was still at 1666. So I did something that I never, ever really do. I turned off the machine to make sure that it was still working because ah. once, the, once the burners shut off, then the temperature will start Obviously, to decrease. It'll yeah, drop. it'll start to oh. decrease, right? Yeah. So I turned off the machine, and it was only for like 10, 15 seconds, but it's all I needed to see was that the dial was working. So it went from 1,666 and immediately dropped to 1,500. So I kicked the machine back on. So I said, okay, good, it's working. So um, went back, finished one other cremation before this lady finished, went back, and would you believe it, it's still at 1,666. And I just thought, oh, my gosh. Now, if any of you like to think of the mark of the beast or you think of something else. What is it you think of? You think of 666.
0: 666.
1: Yeah. And so that's the only thing I could think of at the time, even though it was at 1666. The degree temperature remained Mm -hmm. the same throughout the entire process of cremation. Which is just,
0: just for those who don't know. Have you ever had anything else like that?
1: Never, ever, never. It was. It would always fluctuate, and then it would start to decrease once the cremation. Mm-hmm. It's hottest when the, you have your full mass of <clears throat> individual that's being cremated. But as that individual is being cremated, that temperature would start to drop because the mass is disappearing.
0: Right. Right.
1: And so, but so, uh, for her, it was the same all the way down. So the the kicker for me was that number one, she was a a professed Vic, Wiccan. A mm-hmm. witch, and she apparently had uh, done some spells on some people in her family, which I came later to understand. Uh, but for me, the weirdest, the weirdest story for me, when it comes to cremation, is probably that one, and that is that yeah. it never ever happens to be that way ever. So, sixteen hundred sixty-six. I'll never forget it, and uh, the circumstance that surrounded that temperature. So
0: Ugh. did you, did you end up delivering the cremated remains to the family?
1: Not to the family. I took, have... them right, I took them back to the mortuary. I told back them to that the mm-hmm, I told them they were coming back and here's the manager's exact words, cause this is in the book. He said, uh-huh. let us know when you're outside, we have a box designed for her to be placed into and we'll just keep it outside.
0: You're and kidding.
1: Nope. And it was a metal box. And they just they just had me place the cremated remains in the metal box, and then they closed it and they padlocked the, the box. That's how weird. Oh my god! That's how scared they were. So
0: so something was going down at that mortuary. Yeah. To the point where they're saying we're not even.
1: You're letting her back into the building. No.
0: Yeah. Dead, cremated. Yeah. Oh, I don't care. Her ashes yeah. aren't coming back in here.
1: That's right. So, oh anyway, it's, I don't know exactly everything that happened in the mortuary. I, he's a good enough friend. I could probably reach out to him and find out, but I, I just never wanted to pry. So, right. yeah, I just feel really bad. And I feel bad because I sped on the freeway. I mean, I was speeding to get back <laughs> to the crematory because. Okay,
0: of the, but is that really. Blair
1: is that, is really, that
0: really uncommon? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yes, yes well, it is. What do,
0: you mean? Of course.
1: <laughs> what do you mean? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So yeah. Um,
0: oh, that is spooky.
1: Yeah. It's a little different. And yeah. uh, hopefully if if this story catches your attention and and uh helps you understand a little bit more about what transpires, stick around. You'll enjoy stick around there's more mm-hmm. to come yep you'll yeah you'll enjoy these stories
0: let me tell you
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. it's a very no. interesting childhood to say the least <laughs> to come home especially when you were when you owned the crematory yeah. we're sitting at dinner mm-hmm. and the conversation always just naturally flows so today. who'd you bring who'd you bring oh. home with you today I see you have L-M-Y. some dust on your shoulders. There you go see is that the neighbor? Who's that?
1: <laughs> Is that the neighbor? Who's that? So just tell me the names of who you cremated today, right. Dad, because I'm sure someone's, someone's, someone's with
0: Someone's you. with us. Mm-hmm. We have a guest yeah. for dinner today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, no problem. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, of course. Very weird. I hope it never happens to you again. Mm. I'm sure you've had things much creepier, weirder. <clears throat> yeah. We'll talk about... Scarier even. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to it. So, Mm -hmm. thanks for joining us this week. Um, Catch us again next week for more scary stories with Frank. But for now, this is Coffin talking. Thanks guys.
1: Thanks Holly. (laughs)